Welcome into the Nebraska 24-7 podcast, the first podcast of 2019. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts, Brian Christofferson. Gentlemen, how are you enjoying the new year? I'm, I'm pretty good. I mean, I've I've uh, been to Anytime Fitness three times already. Woo! Today. You. Today. Yeah, today. That was today, yes. Okay, you can tell. We're recording this at what? Uh, just about noon. Brian, I think, went at 2 Back again at six, and then got one in at nine. Got it, yeah, it was the, the one at sleep. The, I don't understand. The one at nine wasn't much. I don't want to. I don't oh. want to give too much credit to that one. It was a little jump rope, a little ab work. But the, the stuff before that was pretty, pretty. Can serious. you confirm that the two was just all ab, just all, you know, medicine ball crunches? Yeah, all of that. It was basically Rocky Four. Oh, man. That was what it was. I don't understand how you... They even brought in, like, a fire that was burning in front of me so that I could do my uh, crunches in front of. We don't normally let people work out in this log cabin, but here you go. (laughs) Here's the thing. I mean, I feel like he needs all of those workouts to to develop the appetite to eat three spuds a day, too, so... That's true. (laughs) To be on that all-carb diet, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to eat healthier this year, so I don't know how many spuds there's going to be. Oh well, well that, do they, they know that? This no, I haven't told. I would them. imagine you I haven't can't told do the that spud to people somebody. yet. They're but, uh, they're probably counting on X amount of business from you to sustain. Well, they're they're probably going to be without my business till about like January twenty fifth, and I'll be oh. like, eh, what's it hurt really? <laughs> you know. Did you guys have any resolutions? Did you make any resolutions? Uh, not really. I don't. I don't really you don't believe in it. No, <laughs> I really don't. I think one year my resolution was to not have resolutions again. So, and you've stuck to it. Yeah, you, pretty much. Look at you. Part. How about you, Bronze? Nothing. No. Yeah. Nothing. No resolutions whatsoever. I am not resolute. Yeah. Yeah. How did your uh, How's your year been going so far? Uh, it's It's been okay. the The holidays are slowly coming to an end, which is uh, they go too long. They do. It's uh, it's like a five week slog. Yeah. I, I had a family Christmas on Sunday. I feel like that's too long. If there's NFL playoff games going on, there shouldn't be a Christmas happening. Like it's just, I, there should be a limited, you know, ten day stretch where if you don't get your your holiday in during those ten days, it doesn't count. Yeah. You don't get to have it. You shouldn't be opening a gift during the All American Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I mean that's that's too late. It's too late. I feel like that was kind of a safe. Yeah, he was just lobbing it up I for you like, if you wanted to take I just it. Like threw it. Oh, I mean, spike it. I didn't know if yeah. we were we were done of me complaining about Just the holidays. Elevate and celebrate. Hit it out of the park. Well, how did you guys feel about the uh, the All American Bowl? What uh, what takeaways did you have? Is Wandale Robinson going to be everything that uh, Nebraska fans are hoping and dreaming based on that screenplay? <laughs> I this- mean, there's a lot going on in that screenplay, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I raised an eyebrow. Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, those games have a tendency to get kind of ugly, and that was a a nice little flash in, the, in that game. Plus, he took the the big hit from Pola Gates, and yeah. got up there. I mean, I'm sure there was some collective breath breath being held uh, among Nebraska fans, but I I don't think he did anything in that game to slow the hype. Is that fair? Yeah, no, I I mean, I was definitely intrigued when he had the ball the couple times they were able to get it to him. I That screenplay, I mean, he, he sort of just worked back against the field. And it wasn't even so much the yards accumulated. It's how 
quick he is in terms of decision making with some of those moves. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I kind of have felt the last few years Nebraska's offensive skill position players have been pretty devoid of agility and making people miss. I mean, they they kind of they get the yards in front of them, and if there's defenders, they generally go down or out of bounds or what have you. So. I'll be very curious, you know, of Wandale and, and Ramir Johnson, I think, has some of that too, uh, what they can kind of bring there. And we we certainly saw that on display, no question. And then you mentioned the hit. He actually took the hit from Noah Pola Gates, who I'm sure we'll discuss a little bit more in this podcast. Uh, potential Nebraska commitment, maybe. It's Nebraska, Arizona State, USC decision expected here in a little less than two weeks at the Polynesian Bowl. So that was that was kind of fun. You gotta gotta lay a hit on them a little bit. Uh, you know the the people that really get into this closely and the the conspiracy theorists. I had several send me photos. Apparently, when he was entering the field, Noah Pola Gates threw the bones to the camera. So I mean, there perhaps that is why Steve Wiltfong made the crystal ball decision that he did. He was sitting in the production truck and thought they don't throw the bones at Arizona State or USC. Was it a red herring though? Was he just? It could be a red herring. Oh man, you've got some people upset now, Browns. Yeah, because they probably noticed that you haven't made a crystal ball prediction yet. The the red herring is out there. (laughs) (laughs) You've been on the uh, Pola Gates crystal ball since when? Like when it was actually Christmas time. Uh, Yeah, well, well before Christmas, uh, the Creighton game Mm -hmm. is when I made it. People were questioning whether I was just. uh, had too many Coors banquets that day, but the everything lines up, and it had for a while. I mean, everything I had heard for months was that Pola Gates really liked Nebraska. He really liked Nebraska's visit. He liked the staff. If he's not going to go to Alabama, he has to go somewhere. Nebraska looks like they're positioning themselves to be that next best option. Alabama can't stop taking defensive back commitments, apparently. They added another one at the All-American Bowl. And so – they're basically out of the picture. Neither USC or Arizona State were mentioned that strongly, you know, as his recruitment was going forward. And so it just – I feel like people are looking for reasons to assume he's not going to go to Nebraska. And, and that was a large part of where my crystal ball went in. You know, plus some conversations I had with some other people who know a lot more information than I do. And I haven't felt anything but confident since putting that in and, mm-hmm. you know, as of right now, I have no reason to feel anything other than confidence. And I'm not entirely sure that he hasn't already signed. I mean, I floated mm-hmm. that out there before the early signing period. We'll see if he hosts any coaches. I mean, because that'll be a dead giveaway right there. Mm-hmm. So the, the the thing that's interesting, too, I mean, USC, you know, there were some crystal ball picks for them, but you, you had so much coaching change over there in the offseason season. I mean, he's got family ties on that on that team, but I mean, with the way USC's playing right now, like I get, I get it. It's USC. Like they're always going to recruit well, but you know, I, I it feels like it, it's much more. It, it's always been much more of a conversation between Arizona State and Nebraska, just because you have the pull of staying home. Yep. Um, and then you know, Nebraska, the relationship, the fact that they've offered the cousin. Um, you know, a, a lot of it going on there too. I, I just never felt like USC was right there for him. At least, I mean, who knows? Like change, but it it, it just kind of 
putting things together, I guess. Yeah, and I don't know if those predictions were made off of anything more than just the assumption that, of course, he'd pick USC over Nebraska and Arizona State. Uh, I, I understand that the new defensive back coach coached his uncle, who, honestly, I didn't know was Troy Polamalu until I read that story. Uh, so that's kind of fascinating in its own right. But I don't know how much sway that would have with, with Pola Gates. And like I said, I still kind of believe he might have already signed. So I feel like this Husker class, too, is very good at peer recruiting. Like, better than ones in the past. Like, you always hear, like, oh, yeah, we're gonna these guys are going to go out there and they're going to convince other guys. But I think the, one, the dudes they have signed already are pretty strong at connecting and take that role seriously. And you have, you know, the nice thing was he's surrounded. If he hasn't signed, he's surrounded by three guys who are – who would entice you to want to join them in San Antonio. Well, and then, I mean, think about it this way. His, the guy on the flight that he sat next to was Ty Robinson. Right. His roommate that whole week was Ty Robinson. I mean, that's just a lot of Nebraska. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I know that Ty's not necessarily just going to be in his ear about it the entire time, but they certainly would have had the opportunity. Wandale's going to obviously talk about Nebraska with him. I mean, Bryce Benhart's not a big talker, but, Maybe he just stands there and looks kind of imposing, and you think, well, maybe I want to. Yeah, I want to be. I want to play guy. with that guy. He's yeah. really he can block Spe- out Christmas trees. Speaking of Bryce Benhart, he actually had maybe the most interesting day on Saturday because he got to play a ton of snaps, uh, and he got to go up against the number one recruit in the entire country, and Nolan Smith. And after an early sack allowed, I mean, he looked good. He uh, especially considering who he was going up against, and he's. 25 to 30 pounds lighter because of wrestling season than what he would normally be during football season. And he was playing the right tackle spot. He told Brandon Huffman uh, in a story that I, that I wrote that Nebraska sees him at right tackle. And they basically have said, you know, you come in, you show us you're ready to go. We'll put you there. And they, they did it with players last year. So this isn't any sort of like hollow talking point. And it's again, another reason why I think Bryce Benhart's going to be Nebraska's starting right tackle in 2019. Ben Hart was, I mean, in the past, Nebraska's had linemen who have gone down to that game. Um, and Most recently, John Raritan. Right. Think. And it's, I, I think it's tough sometimes for guys who are highly rated from the Midwest to, to go into those settings because... They don't face defensive ends that look like that. They don't face defensive ends that look like that. Yeah. Um, and it's... I, I was curious to see how Bryce Benhart would do because of the reasons he mentioned, where he's, he's two eighty five. I mean, he he measured in at a legit six foot eight. Um, <laughs> Sheepishly tells Huffman in the interview, "Yeah, I'm like six eight, and then, well, almost six nine. Yeah, like the, the biggest offensive lineman in Nebraska history. I'm pretty sure height wise." Unless we could account Marcel Jones after. Those are going to be fun interviews. I think David Neville would be. <laughs> Neville was like six nine. We need to get you a step ladder. Yeah, well, gonna, you're gonna have to like do the thing where you like you guys like put your, you know, hands together and like make a little hand step ladder for me. Here's the thing: Bryce isn't a big talker, so I don't I don't know if we're gonna have to worry about that <laughs> no. a whole lot. How tall was David Neville? He he'd had to be yeah, pretty he, close. He to was that a big. I thought he was six seven. Listed at six nine on his profile, six eight on his CFL profile. Wow. What about uh, Marcel Jones? But some of that was the fro. Kid from Central Nebraska that's now bounced around the NFL. I'm blank. Stare up. Yeah. He was a big boy. Six seven, wasn't he? 
Those are my favorite guys, though, because usually you very rarely find an old lineman who's like has a hostile personality, if you know what I mean. They're always like these really gentle giants who Jovial. are sometimes the most thoughtful guys. Because I think they're used to living a world where they're out there by themselves, like up here, and everyone else is down there. <laughs> so they appreciate that people are can are Ooh. talking to him and can actually hear him up there. Stare up, and stare up six, six foot nine, three thirty. by oh, the way, wow. for stare up. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sorry, Bryce Benhart. I spoke too soon. You won't be the tallest Husker unless what you keep What if he's still growing? Could be. Yeah, to, to your point, I think it's because they're so not used to having interviews mm-hmm. that they kind of relish the fact that they do. Um, and some of them, and you know, Nebraska's been kind of blessed. Some of them have been really good interviews in recent oh, years. Usually, the, like the senator. Yeah, <laughs> he was great. Matt Slauson was a great interview. You see, I was not there when he was around. Yeah. you know who wasn't great? Do you remember Ricky Henry? Yeah, that was kind of always tough. Yeah, he was. He had a little hostile nature. Oh, too. he was fired up like every time he spoke. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. We didn't get on the Dominic Riola train. No, we were too way late before for that. my time. But anyway, but I, I think Ben Hart showed. <laughs> I, he answered a lot of questions for me because I, I was I was genuinely curious to see how he would handle going up against guys from the South who are very highly rated uh, defensive linemen. I, I thought he more than held his own. He did, and um, that I just thought it was cool that Nebraska was represented in the game, where he felt like you know you have basically four points you connect to, um, and you know three of them are coming, and and then. Um, just real quick back to Wandale. The screen was nice, but that didn't surprise me at all. I I thought the way he took the one hit from Pola Gates, came back on the next series in an All Star game, and goes right across the seam again and catches another tough one. I thought that was a little sign of what he's made of. I mean, in a game like that, if I'm him and I'm moving into college the next day, I'm kind of thinking to myself, I don't know that I got to take another hit today. <laughs> You know, I got to move furniture in tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> mini fridge isn't going to carry itself. <laughs> they got to get the shower caddy up there. Do they kids still use shower caddies? Or they have bat? They all have bathrooms like in their rooms now, don't Do they? they? Spoiled little brats. Yeah, I didn't have that. <laughs> uh, they need community. Back when BC was in college, it was just somebody in there with a hose spraying it down. Yeah, and you knew <laughs> you knew what else you were getting in there. I don't want to go too off the. Rails. That's what the RA did, <laughs> but. There was people in a hurry, yeah. and they were going to kill two birds with one stone while they were taking a shower, if you know what I mean. And it would all go to one little... You never showered in the middle for that one, reason. One drain. That's why you had shower shoes. Yeah. Shower sandals, yes. Yeah. <laughs> interesting thing about Paul Gates. No, I really <laughs> wanted him to say interesting thing about shower sandals. Uh, I mean, you, you see in Paul Gates' highlights, I mean, he, he throws himself around quite a bit. He's, he he's likes a to hit. He weighed in at 165 pounds. Yeah, he was really? smaller than expected. Um, and still really impressed um, at, at safety and a little bit of corner, too, uh, during his time down there. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Nebraska has told him that they will start him, I think, at corner. Uh, and part of that's based on need, and some of that's based on just he has – really good athleticism they might have other types at safety that they feel fine there that they'd rather use him at corner but i i mean you're you're absolutely right the guy is smaller than a little bit anticipated but he still plays kind of fearless and 
kind of need that with your defensive backs. And so I'll be curious, you know, if if they're able to get him, I'd be curious what his freshman year would look like because I don't think he's going to supplant DiCaprio Boodle or Lamar Jackson. But one of the things floated to me in conversations that I had in December is don't rule out the idea of when a third corner comes in that DiCaprio Boodle moves to the nickel spot because they think that he might be even better there than he is in an outside corner. So that is something to keep an eye on maybe this spring. I don't know who that third corner would be that's currently on the roster. Camp Taylor. Camp Taylor. Could be Camp Taylor, yeah. Um, But they did not have a ton of success when they had a nickel back in there, and so I think that's one of the things they want to resolve. So I would keep an eye on that. If they get Pula Gates, I think – the recruiting of the secondary in this class is better than people imagine. Like Considering all the hand-wringing and upset and anger? Yeah, I think Travis Fisher beats to his own drum with recruiting, and he's not worried. And social media. Yeah, he's not worried if what, what, what we think about or what. <laughs> well, he told us that. I mean, yeah. he had a great moment during the season where he talked about how he doesn't – I mean, and coaches always say they don't care about recruiting rankings, but think about it from his perspective. This is a guy that – all the recruiting services ignored, who went on to have an NFL career. He has basically said multiple times he recruits guys that remind him of himself. I that's, th- that's how he's gone out and done it. I think the guy everyone's sleeping on is Miles Farmer. Yeah, you said that. And I I heard from a little birdie that I, – I don't know. The, the coaches love Miles Farmer. They think he's as good as anybody in this class, I think. But little birdie, was it a tweet? You saw a tweet? It was not a tweet. <laughs> Just a little bird that I, I I think people need to not – I'd watch for him right away. It, I mean, the the job that F- Travis Fisher's kind of done in reshaping that secondary room too, I mean, just – off the bus, that group looks so much different than it did when he came in. So much length, uh, just big physical guys. I mean, that's the the thing that's going to stand out to me. And then you add Farmer jabbing right to that group as well. Who I don't think it's actually going to stay in the second day. Yeah, I mean, that's you know what what do you do with JoJo Doman? Does he stay at outside linebacker? I mean, the, the, those types of questions are going to be interesting to follow into the spring and when those guys get on campus because you got Braxton Clark, another guy who was big physical cj smith who they loved um cam jones yeah i mean all of those guys are, are gonna have something to say i think about kind of how the depth plays out in, in the secondary i'll have more on javin right because i'm doing a story on him with him and his his relationship with his dad toby but he basically has been doing drills in his house since he was like two years old you know like jumping over ottomans and stuff like that <laughs> i mean i did that too we didn't know it was drills <laughs> oh well but toby i i think that um that relationship's gonna help him the way his dad kind of knows what it takes and he respects his dad um enough to let him be tough on him and i think that's going to bode well for his you know, having that experience with you heading to college where not everything's always going to go your way and you, people are going to be tough on you sometimes when you're not doing it right, I think that's going to be to his advantage. Sticking with, I mean, coaches that have reshaped their room, and I, I completely agree with what you're saying on Travis Fisher. Think about what Mike Dawson has coming in and what he brought in. I mean, he basically the first year you have Tate Wildeman and you have uh, Casey Rogers who – 
right off the bat are bigger than most of the defensive ends that you already were inheriting. And then you follow that up with Ethan Piper, Mosai Newsome, Ty Robinson, who was part of the, the All-American Bowl, but didn't have maybe as many opportunities as some of the other guys. He's played um, out of position, wasn't he? He was playing some tackle. Yeah, he so and he even said this in his interview before the week started that one of the things that he knew they valued from him down there is that he could kind of play a tackle, he could play at end, he could sort of do whatever, and he says the same thing as possible at Nebraska. And part of that's just having a six foot six, two hundred and eighty pound frame. But you you see these guys are bringing in. I know I'm forgetting a name, Brant Banks uh, as well, and Darian Daniels too he's going to have a different looking unit uh, as well. And I, I think that, you know, part of UCF's success, at least defensively, is Travis Fisher put some NFL guys in that secondary, and they were ball hawks. And Mike Dawson had a pretty good rotation of defensive linemen at UCF. And so if they get to the point where you have NFL guys in the secondary again and you have a good rotation of defensive linemen, that defense is going to get better sort of overnight in the ways that people aren't going to think of because everyone, you know, is a little bit hesitant about what it's going to look like next year. But I, I think that they're going to be a little better just because of having that extra year of teaching. And those guys were successful at UCF at those spots. I, I fully expect they will be at Nebraska too. Well, defensive line is one of those positions, I, th- I think especially in this on this team where you're going to need – you need eight guys. Because with with the tempo you're playing with, because of the offense that, that Nebraska runs, the just volume of plays that you have to defend, you, you have to be able to mix and match guys. You have to have depth. Well, I, and think of what they're being asked to do. You're going right. two against one almost every play if you're right. a defensive lineman. Right. So I mean, that's I mean, Mike Dawson told me you know going back to his days with Chip Kelly, um, you know he figured out pretty fast that you know you you, you need more guys than you would think. And plus, you know, I, I think one thing they did that was pretty smart is they they brought guys like Damian Daniels along where, you know, he was playing 20 snaps a game last year. And he said, you know, the plan is you, you start those guys young, you, you basically build them up to where they're 35, 40 snap a game type guys, and you get enough guys rotating that it's you stay fresh. And, I mean, Nebraska has had to lean on a, a – very small number of guys in recent years. I mean, the, the Davis twins have played a ton of snaps. Freedom played a ton of snaps. Um, you know, Mick Stoltenberg, when he was in there, he played a lot. I mean, it, there really hasn't been depth at that position at all. Uh, and, and it seems like they're, they're finally turning the corner a little bit there. Uh, and, and probably going to add to it between now and the, and the February signing period too. Well, uh, sticking with recruiting just a little bit longer, Nebraska has – essentially nine new people joining it semester here with the inclusion of Darian Daniels, the brother of Damian Daniels. He's a grad transfer from Oklahoma state. I don't know how much we've talked about him in the past, but a guy with NFL aspirations that's going to provide them something right in the middle of the line right away. So that's big. And then Brig Banks, I believe the, the older brother of Brant Banks is transferring to join Nebraska, too. Uh, he'll be another defensive lineman, I think, as well. And those two guys joined the seven freshmen that enrolled early. Of that group, uh, we'll run through the names quickly here. I believe you have Brant Banks. 
You have Nick Henrich, Chris Hickman, Luke McCaffrey, Jamie Nance, Garrett Nelson, Wandale Robinson. Of those seven, pick maybe one guy that you're hoping to hear about quite a bit this spring. I mean, I, I feel like we can maybe toss Wandale out because we've talked about him already, and he's he's going to kind of be the, the one out of that group that I think people are a little really excited to hear about. But is there is there somebody else in that mix that you're curious, you know, how that spring's going to go for him for a variety of reasons? I think it's, for me, it's got to be Henrik. Um, you know, he's, he's coming off of an injury, so you don't know how he's, the plan was to be ready for spring. We'll see if he is. But when you talk about depth and positions of need, that inside linebacker group is real thin right now. You've got, you know, Honus coming back off the knee injury. You don't know what he's going to give you. Mo Berry's obviously back. You know what he's going to give you. Uh, you know, Jake Winemaster, who might have even played his way into a few snaps, retires from the game because of injuries. Uh, Colin Miller, you know, is he an inside backer? Is he an outside backer? It, it feels like to me that one of those true freshmen, whether it's Hannah or Henrik, is going to have to play early. And, I think both of them will. Yeah, I mean, it, and the fact that Henrik's on campus now – I think he has the mentality to play early, just with the way he plays. But you, you got to get something from him this spring because I think you're going to have to rely on those guys a lot in the fall. So that that's the guy that I'm going to be watching and, and kind of seeing what we hear. Yeah, I think he's one of the obvious answers. I think Jamie Nance kind of fits too um, in that same realm with just wide receiver depth lacking. Not as much as some people think. I, I mean, I think it's easy to look at like, okay – there's J.D. Spielman and who else, you know. But when you think about, okay. There's gonna, a lot of opportunity. There, There is. But, you, you know, it, it's we have to look at it differently. I mean, Maurice Washington is going to be used like a wide receiver sometimes. Miles Jones, if he gets that shoulder cleaned up, you know, he's he's going to be that type of guy. Wandale. Um, so there are ways around having, like, three great true wide receivers and still having a pretty successful passing game. That said, it'd be nice if you had three or four wide receivers who you could really depend on. And Jamie Nance just has great speed, uh, had a really nice high school resume, I think, um, while getting a lot of attention his senior year because of who he was and the fact that he's a Husker recruit and all that. Um, and he's he's also rooming with Wandale, so there's kind of that – I don't know. Sometimes that helps guys out when it you got one great guy in your room and you kind of push each other as friends behind the scene too. So he'd be a guy I'd really watch. Yeah, I um, both of those guys were names that came to mind. Maybe the third one for me is uh, Garrett Nelson because I I'm one of those people that I just I think everyone maybe doubts a little bit. Like at some point you're like, okay, well maybe he's maxed out. Maybe he's just the best player and. Western Nebraska, maybe he's not going to be able to, to put it together. And he just, I think he thrives on that. I think he, you know, I've enjoyed every conversation that I've had with Garrett because he's someone that bets on himself and everything that he does. And when I floated the idea, like, how do you think you'd handle a redshirt season? I mean, you would think that I asked him which member of his family he no longer wants to talk to anymore. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's going to put in as much work as he possibly can. And he's one of those guys, I mean, I don't think he cares – you know, if his role, his first year is to just be on kick coverage, 
he's going to try to maximize that as best as possible. And so, you know, this is a team that needs pass rush. He provided that in high school. I'm very curious how the transition for him, where he goes from defensive end in high school to outside linebacker, he has the athletic skill set, I think, to do it. He's going to have to be able to play in space a little bit more. Uh, but I'm very curious, you know, if this is someone that can help them out on special teams in areas where they were bad last year. I mean, if he can go in and give you, you know, reps out of kick return and, and uh, kick kickoff coverage, punt coverage, I mean, there's some value in that. I Maybe you don't want to use the entire year for that if, if he maybe can't help you on the – other parts of the defense, but I don't know. I don't, if they played Caleb Tanner, I don't know how far Garrett Nelson would be behind where Caleb Tanner was coming in in the summer if he gets the whole spring to catch up. Because physically, he's a much better prospect than people probably realize. And it, it's kind of cliche, but I feel like a lot of times for, for guys that come in early, you kind of have to be wired a little bit differently. Like – you're you're coming in when you should still be in high school. It's the old cliche. You should be going to prom. Um, I hate that. Anyways, um, Brunt hates prom. But like, he, he's did, like every. You're right. Every conversation that, that I've ever had with Garrett Nelson has been like, this kid seems like he's about 24. Yeah. Um, and it also seems like he's had 17 cups of coffee. Yeah. And I, I think mean, he might punch me in the face just to see if I'm alive. But I mean, think about it, like. And Dominican Sue's walking by, like, at the numbers yeah, in Memorial he's... Stadium, and Garrett Nelson goes just walking out there and shakes his hand. Yeah. 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 Um, just that kind of that kind of attitude, I think, will serve him well. And I agree yeah. that, you know, th- there's opportunities for guys like that to get on the field early on special teams, maybe on defense if, you know, he, he's ready for it. But, I mean, he, he's going to be one to watch, and especially at a position where Nebraska needs some difference makers. The guy we didn't even mention, but – I don't think people should undersell Luke McCaffrey. Yeah, I thought about mentioning him too. Because I think it's very easy to fall into this line of thinking, well, QB's taken care of for three years, you know, and maybe that's so. But I'm not, this is not a stunning thing to say. I'll be shocked if Adrian Martinez goes all three years without getting dented at all or, you know, there's a week or two where he's out, you know, or you got to have some depth there. It's like you learn nothing from the Akron podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, or maybe we cut that out. People don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, well, we were, we were very close. We thought for a couple days to like, Oh boy, what's this season going to look like yep. without Adrian Martinez? And I'm not saying those that, were dark times. They were, that was a rare case where I think the injury status of a player far outweighed the, fact that nebraska lost a football game because of what it meant to the entire season and building the program well and just how good he looked in the first three quarters of that game but i'm not sold yet that nebraska has all the answers behind martinez at qb i think it was a tough deal for noah vedral last year because you don't know if you're playing then suddenly you are and so i expect him to look better this year um than he did in his spot opportunities we don't know about the bunch thing really Mm -hmm. do we um and so uh, you need you need to make that room have some guys in it sitting in those chairs at least. So I think I think it's a big deal that he's here and at least gets to learn. Yeah, I the thing I love about McCaffrey is he spent part of his high school career being a backup. He's more than willing to wait and learn, and he knows he has to get better. And that's why he chose Nebraska in part because he felt like Verduzco has the ability 
to and this offense has the ability to pull out from him what he thinks he's capable of doing. So he's he'll he'll be fun to watch in the spring just to kind of get a glimpse of what might be. I think he's definitely ticketed unless things go pear shaped, you know, for a redshirt season. But he's got a ton of athleticism. Yeah, uh, there's a reason that they. I mean, they could have hung in on Jaden Daniels. They could have hung in on Michael Johnson. They could have hung in on a couple different guys. When Luke McCaffrey said that he was good to go, Nebraska was thrilled. Mm-hmm. And they offered him, they evaluated him, and immediately were happy with him. So, I, I, you know, the talk of him playing wide receiver, I never put any credit to that whatsoever. Well, Mario. Certainly right. Mario yeah, he's shot denounced that. Um, he's faster than Dylan, right? A little bit at yeah. Michigan. I think they're they're just different. I, Dylan's a little bit more of a strider. I feel like. Yeah. I mean, he can move better than I think people give him credit for. But well, I mean, I say that because he's it, broader too. The, yeah. the game was settled, but Dylan McCaffrey came in against Nebraska and he ripped off that run, and I was like, man, he's he's got some wheels. Um, and I had heard that Luke was maybe a little faster. I thought, well, that's that's saying something then. Yeah. But. Well, shall we move off of recruiting into uh, let's discuss what's been happening in the the Big Ten lately. We've got some coaching changes. Nebraska will uh, will have the opportunity to to face Ryan Day as the head coach of Ohio State, who has made a few changes on his staff. Greg Schiano out, Greg Madison in, <laughs> Al Washington from Michigan in as well as of today. Uh, so. Some some real differences uh, in this Nebraska schedule. The, the the responses on the part of Ohio State and Michigan fans to that whole coaching change was fascinating. I mean, both I think the collective response was "What the hell!" Like Ohio State fans were pissed off. Michigan fans felt jilted and wondered what was going on uh, with Harbaugh's staff. And you know that's a that's an intriguing matchup for Nebraska. I think we've talked about this before, maybe during sock talk even, that Nebraska is catching Ohio State really early in that year. You've got Dwayne Haskins going pro. Tate Martell is probably your starting quarterback right now unless Fields, Fields gets, gets a, a waiver. Which doesn't make any sense. But. Yeah, I mean, there's that kind of up in the air. So, it. I mean, that might be a chance for Nebraska to make a pretty early – statement in a 2019 where apparently they're going to start the season ranked based on all these way too early. Were you calling an upset right now on January 8th? Sounds like it. I, I would, I would be okay with saying that. Sounds like you're, you think it's going to be exactly like Purdue, Ohio state this last year, basically. Maybe. I mean, there's how many (laughs) touchdowns does Wandale have? Five, five touchdowns. (laughs) He throws for one. Runs for one, catches one, <laughs> returns one for a kick, and also somehow gets one on defense. Oh, they bring him in as a DB. Yeah, on a on a hail mary, he snatches it up, goes snatches it up, and runs it back. Serious question: Do you think Adrian Martinez can win the Outland this year? <laughs> I think he's in the final three. I don't know if he wins it. Yeah, well, that's, maybe the Remington. That's fascinating. He snaps it to himself. Was Greg Madison back to him moving from Michigan to Ohio State? With, I don't know what the dirt is, but do you think he was annoyed because Don Brown had kind of taken over as the D.C. and was kind of the wonder boy up until the very end there? And 
Greg Madison's career at Michigan didn't really go like it was supposed to. Like he was brought in as he was that big hire. I remember Nebraska fans always used to use him as an example. Look, they'll go pay this guy all this money. That's what you're supposed to do to get a DC. It just shows you that money ain't. I mean, that doesn't mean that guy the guy's gonna fix everything right. just because you're paying him a lot. Because they they kind of struggled with him as the boss of the defense for a while. Yeah, no, I, I think you're you're absolutely right in all of that, and he probably wanted to get out of the shadow. And we're also seeing, I mean, look, every stop Jim Harbaugh's had, his assistants basically kind of start to leave, usually in little numbers, and then it the dam breaks uh, because he puts a lot of stress on people. And so I, I'm not surprised at all. I'm Well, I shouldn't say I'm not surprised at all. I'm always surprised when someone goes from Michigan to Ohio State or vice versa. Um and so it's an interesting move, I think, in that regard. It's interesting that Greg Schiano is out at Ohio State as well because I thought that he was pretty good for the most part of what Ohio State needed. But some of that, to me, those coaches wanted to coach with Urban Meyer because that was going to elevate them to the next level. I don't think they felt as comfortable betting on Ryan Day and his future at Ohio State. Who, you know, If they start a little rocky next year, it's going to be a lot of noise in Columbus because they didn't consider anybody else. That's what I mean. I, I think I think Nebraska's got a really good shot in that game. To, we already predicted. To, yeah, I, and you know, five touchdowns from Wandale, so they're really going to run it up on them too. So it's getting way ahead of it, but that's what we're doing. It, they need to. Man, does Nebraska need to somehow get to that game four and zero? I mean, think about that setup. Is that is that a game day? Yeah. I Are think, you going to call it? Well, if they're if they're four and zero, I think it probably is because I would guess. Wow. Are you gonna just crap on game day no, like we're not you always do? That. We learned that some guy on Twitter like he didn't like, like it. Lost his crap about it. That we really didn't that like we it. We don't watch the show every week, but uh, I I think they would probably want to come. They, I mean, Nebraska is a great place to host it because people will be ridiculous about it. And uh, they haven't been here in a while. Yeah, since USC in '07. So I, I would guess that's a possibility, but. Uh, yeah, and it's as kind of I guess segueing into next year, but still talking about the Big Ten at large. The, how many teams in the West do you guys think are going to be ranked when we get to Week One next year? Ranked? Yeah, out of, just out of the West because preseason because because you're seeing Purdue pop up a Two. lot, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Iowa. I've seen pop up in a lot of these way too early in things. Western too, but yeah. Uh, I would say two for the actual rankings, Nebraska and Purdue. Or not Nebraska, Wisconsin and Purdue. What about I don't Iowa? Think, I, don't yeah. think, I don't know if either of those I returning think I, quarter, Iowa lost a lot. Returning I think, NFL quarterback, I think Nate Iowa's going to be like a top 20 team to start. Really? And I think – No Nelson, no Fant. They lose Hawkinson. I, I think people I, – I still think – well, people put way too much stock in a returning quarterback sometimes, especially if he's – so so, but uh, I I I think there's kind of this belief that Iowa is going to Iowa and they'll figure out how to replace those pieces and uh, they got the good what, the young kid who's the five star or whatever. AJ Espinosa. Yeah. Um, I I just think they'll get the benefit of the doubt, which is fine. And I think Nebraska will be just outside. I think they'll yeah, I do like, too. I think they'll be like others like receiving votes. Yeah. Know? You know who? What one quick thought on the bowl season? Big Ten went five and four, and I'll tell you the team that interests me is Penn State. 
because I just don't. I'm not as big on the Franklin train as some were. And watching that, are you big on it? I was. I predicted that they were going to make the playoff this year. The end they of, said they were going to go undefeated. The they end of that. He's a State. bad game day coach. Sometimes he just does stuff. The end of that freaking bowl game when he kicks the field goal down four. I just lost my mind about it. <laughs> just yelling in your house so, on TV. I know this doesn't mean a ton, but Vegas agrees with you. Penn State's 100-1 to to win a national championship. Other teams in that same range, Virginia Tech, the Iowa Hawkeyes, Florida State, Iowa State. No, not Iowa State. They're 200-1. to I mean, that's... I think that says that there's some expectations that they actually take kind of a big step back next year. And I don't know if that's just because of the quarterback, McSorley, um, or what. But it, to me, felt like they had a great year for Penn State. Everything lined up for them to basically win the East and announce themselves. And they went the other way. Well, and life after Saquon and the uh, Mississippi State coach. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that hurt a lot more than I expected. What, what do you guys make of Minnesota? Because I, I think they're they're going to be a team that I feel like when we convene in Chicago in July and take our shot of Malort per usual to start the season. Whichever one of you suggested that the other day is uh, that's, that's Brian. Was that on New Year's? That's yeah. terrible. Yeah. Um, it sounded like well, the worst. I, I, I didn't suggest it. I sent a tweet. It said, take a shot of Malort, and you'll finally fight your dad or yeah. something, <laughs> <laughs> which is about what it would make you do. Uh, <laughs> but how much is there going to be? Like, I just feel like there's going to be a lot around Minnesota, too. Because, I'm driving that hype wagon, too. Because they're going to be good on offense. They've got enough coming back on defense. And I guarantee you P.J. Fleck is going to be more than willing to – to really hype that thing up. I think he's, I mean, I was totally ready to write him off as a sideshow after year one, especially with the whole year zero thing. Like they didn't look like they were going to be very good at all because they didn't have a quarterback. And to me, you're going into your second year. You don't have quarterback answered. You know, what are you going to do? And they look like a good team. Well, let me bring that back. At times they look like a good team. And particularly at the end of the year when they made a change with their defensive coordinator, they look like a better team. And to do that without what I think is, you know, even a top five quarterback in the Big Ten is pretty remarkable to me. And so I uh, I think that Minnesota, just like Nebraska, should have aspirations of winning the Big Ten West next year. Because to me, it's wide open. I mean, I, I think Nebraska, Purdue, and Minnesota are these three teams that should all feel like you know, we have the opportunity to win this division next year. We have to go take care of business. And we talk about this 2019 schedule as if, yeah, Nebraska should be an Indy. Well, they're going to have to win these games. I don't think they're gimmies. I mean, you're going to Purdue. You're going to Minnesota. Nebraska's lost in both places. I mean, those aren't going to be pushover wins. And you still have to beat Iowa and Wisconsin, which you haven't done since I was in my 20s. So long time ago. Yeah. I mean, we're getting closer <laughs> for being even further away. So, I mean, it's uh, the Big Ten West is actually maybe more interesting than the Big Ten East for once. Do we need to start talking about reorganizing the com- the the divisions based on that? Are we to that point yet? Or that's right. usually how it goes, right? Yeah. 
You well, know, this, this would be the Jim Delaney special where they decide that they're going to change the schedule and change the, the conference look, and Michigan's going to slide over. He says, you know what? I really liked Legends of Leaders. We're going to go back to that. <laughs> uh, they're, they're kind of inept, the, the Big Ten Conference. There's something. Um, we're 45 minutes into this, and we haven't even gotten to... Sad hoop stock. Some sad hoop stock. Sad hoop stock. Are we done with our Big Ten talk? Is there anything else we want to? Well, I mean, we've got the next eight and a half months to okay. really <laughs> dive into. I don't know it. if we were getting together every week. Yeah. What else right. we got going on? I stuff. I'd be lost. This if is my I only social outlet. I'd be lost if I didn't get together <laughs> with you guys. The sad thing is, I think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I got a I got a hoop out in the driveway. We can go play some hoops. Look, after I that. that was the first question I had when I came over is yeah. when was the game going to break out? We can play some 21. A little 21. Get two basketballs, maybe some knockout. Oh, man. BC would just destroy us, though. Probably. Uh, You're not going to be an all-metro no, holiday no, tournament player. Yeah. Not, not. I do have a hoop in my driveway now, though, and so I'm going to get some shots up here pretty soon. It's warm enough. You get it's out there. The thing that's <laughs> working. So Nebraska basketball goes yeah, 0-2 take it away. last week with a uh, – do you have a fail horn that we can play? Uh, I'll, I'll throw it in, in the editing. Yeah, the price is right, fail horn. Uh, <laughs> so you, you lose a winnable road game uh, at Maryland. Uh, need to cut, need to bounce back to to avoid the one and three start against Iowa. You don't get it done there either. It's it's not. I don't think it's time to hit the panic button. However. I mean, you're kind of digging yourself a little bit of a hole, and you've got a road game against Indiana and a home game against Michigan State coming up after an 8 p.m. Thursday night tip against Penn State. So, guys, what's your concern level here? Uh, not super concerned. I mean, this is a tough stretch of the schedule. Obviously, winning road games is difficult, especially in the Big Ten Conference, as deep as this one is. I think that, you know, everyone would feel a lot better had they split that one-and-one, one, they win that game against Maryland, and then, you know, or if, even if they had beaten Minnesota and you're sitting two-and-two two right now, but that one-and-three, and then you have Penn State at home, which I think is going to be actually a tougher game than, uh, you know, people might anticipate. Yeah, Pat Chambers coming back after pushing one of his own players. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, it's – it, look, they've, they've got to go out and they've got to beat somebody on the road, but they also take care of business at home. They're going to be fine, too. So until they get to the point where they're not winning at the PBA and they're dropping too many road games, I don't I don't know if it's going to be a situation where panic is, is ready to set in. I know that, you know, I've banned myself from Twitter from Nebraska basketball games. It's probably the best decision I've, I've made. It's a good life choice. It uh, It's just not worth it. It's not worth wading into that, but I I think they're going to be fine. I mean, they're going to be a tournament team. They're not going to be a four seed. You know, people can make peace with that and accept that they're going to be a 7-10 game. They're going to finish with 20-21 wins. They'll be okay. Ken Palm's got them as 11, finishing 11-9 in conference play. Which they would – what would be fan great. would not take that right now? Right. I think 10-10 10 and 10 is the magic number. Get to 10. Yeah. Well, the, and this is a year where all the computer rankings love them. So this is when you gotta. Well, they're 
if you could say anything for Nebraska basketball to this point this year, they're losing to the right teams. Well, they, you, they don't have a bad loss. No. You, you Iowa's the closest I think they have to a bad loss, and they were rated coming right. into the week. Every every loss that they have on, on their ledger right now is either to a team that's currently ranked or receiving votes. So it's not like you're going out there and losing to you know Penn State, for example. The thing that's really humorous to me about Nebraska basketball right now is like, say – Say they went like nine and eleven in conference, which is possible, and they're like a nine. They'd be what a nineteen and thirteen or something like twenty and twelve kind of team, and they slide in as like a ten seed or something, and people would be all there would be so much hand wringing along the way to that nine and eleven or ten and ten mark, and yet, if this team happened to on one day in March win a game, they would be the greatest Husker basketball team in history. I just love the like fine line between like this is yeah. an utter failure and it's the greatest team ever. It's, I just it's I exhausting. can't do the it's exhausting. I can't do the game analysis with this. Like it's a it's almost sort of ruining it. It's like they're a they're a fun team. I just want to watch them play. I don't want to have to discuss what their flaws are every single game. I know them, you know them. Like it's just a man I don't think I've experienced a team like this, which is incredible considering we've covered Nebraska football for a while. The the thing that is concerning, I think, if, if you're kind of looking at what Nebraska does well or does not do well, you, you knew coming in that they were going to struggle to rebound. Um, that that was, you know, Tim Miles was pretty upfront about that. But the, the, the losses that they've had in, in Big Ten play, and, and they've played decent decent teams in the post to start with is just how they've just looked so out of sorts in the post. Um, you know, you're getting out rebounded, you're giving up uh, second chance opportunities. That's something that they've got to figure out. A lot of that's effort. Some of it's the fact that they're playing a lot of zones. So it's a little bit more tougher to rebound out of, out of those defenses, but that's, it'll be interesting over the next five, six games to see if that changes because like I said, I mean, you're playing Maryland, who has two legit NBA guys in the post. You're playing Minnesota, who's got the best rebounder in the conference. Um, Iowa had two bigs. Yeah. One I mean, that shouldn't have probably had as good of a game as he did. But. Right. I mean, does that improve? Because that, that to me, is if you can get that short up, you start playing better defense because that's been kind of the, the hallmark The hallmark yeah. of this team is, is creating offense off their defense, and they're not doing it right now. Um well, when that game flipped a little bit against Iowa in that 1-3-1, they started forcing turnovers, and all of a sudden they started getting offense out right. of it instead of having to spend every time after giving up a basket running down there against a zone that somehow – I mean, Nebraska makes these zones look incredible for just like stretches of time, and I don't understand it. But and that, was, that game against Iowa was the first time that they've really struggled to shoot the three in, yeah. in, in Big Ten play. I mean, uh, I think a lot of people assume that Nebraska can't shoot the three, but they were a top three team in the conference shooting from, from range. Just going in. Hitting. Yeah. So, I mean. They some, weren't getting good looks. Some of the I, shots were a little yeah. questionable. but I You mean, didn't love Palmer taking one from 29 feet? It's, you know. With 24 seconds left in the shot clock when you were down by, what, five? I would have liked a, a pass or two. In that situation, maybe move move the ball. I thought Miles had a subtle, interesting comment on Saturday before they left for Iowa City. And 
some will say, oh, you shouldn't be talking like this. But he was saying how if they lose to Iowa, he actually threw out like an if they lose that game. Mm -hmm. And I understood what he was meaning because he knows what it's like in this state right now and just how like it's boiling, like if they don't do it right. And he was he was already setting the stage for like if that happens, this team has to be able to keep like I think what he knows that one of the biggest fights his team has is that this the external noise? Yeah, it's so ratcheted up right now that they can't let a couple losses in a row become just this overwhelming negative cloud that's right. hanging over everything. And he was, pre- I think he was prepared for the possibility. He knew Iowa would score on him because um, they always have. Mm-hmm. And he was he was ready for this is so this is a huge week. I mean, to come back, I, it's interesting. You said five or six games because I was looking at their schedule. And I think I kind of look at the next six games like they need to somehow pull out a four and two, and they play Penn State, which you would hope to win at Indiana, Michigan State home, tough one, at Rutgers, Ohio State home, Wisconsin home. You could get four out of those six. You win your four home games, and you steal a road game. Yeah. So I mean, I know that's saying beating Michigan State and Ohio State, but right. honestly, I mean, I don't know why they can't. Well, and it's. The, the types of games that Nebraska is going to be playing. I, I think Tim Miles mentioned this after the Maryland game. They're going to have a lot of these games that are like one possession games when you look at, you know, predictions, models, all that other stuff. I mean, it, it's these games are going to turn on, what, three plays maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a made or missed shot or, you know, an, an extra possession. And, you know, in those tight games so far, Nebraska just hasn't made those couple plays. That, that have set them apart. Well, and it's as simple as you get that bad look from Iowa, you got to go up and get the rebound if you're Isaac Copeland. Or, and, and this maybe I haven't looked at the stats, and this is just me going off of what I think has happened. I feel like they have turned the ball over far more than they should for a team that has as many seniors out there. you got a senior point guard. Palmer has been careless with the ball. He was against Iowa several times down the stretch. I think they only had three turnovers in that game. Really? Yeah. Felt like all three were pretty critical. They were. Happened. They were. But um, but yeah, small volume, yeah. but big importance. It just it feels like they they can curb that a little bit, and they'll be a little more efficient in possessions. And then obviously, you know, in a couple games this year, free throws has just been terrible, and it, it can't be. I mean, against Maryland, you can't miss those free throws. Against Iowa, you blew a couple of what front end of one on ones, and uh, you're getting opportunities. It's not like they're not getting to the line. Sorry, they had they ended up with eight in that game, three in the first half. So that's all Nebraska had in that game. That eight turnovers. Man, it feels like especially when Iowa had what eighteen fast break points. Uh, Iowa had twenty nine fast break points. (laughs) Uh, Off eight turnovers. Yeah. Ooh. And they only got seven points off those eight turnovers. Nebraska got 19 off of Iowa's 13. Yeah, and, and some of that was that 1-3-1 one, one in the second half really mm-hmm. opened up their their offensive attack. But you know, we'll have plenty of weeks to dissect everything Nebraska basketball. Yep. I'd rather do it here than reading my timeline. Yeah, that's, that's a good life decision, <laughs> I think. Well, shall I awkwardly end this podcast? Do it as awkwardly as possible, yeah. please. All right, well. As always, you can stop by the website, Husker247.com, Husker247sports.com. I think only one of those works. We'll let you guess which one. I've already screwed this up. so I'm Awkwardly, yeah, I said so. Pretty well. 
Brunts is pissed. Yeah, he is. He's like, get it right. <laughs> He's so mad over there. <laughs> and uh, we'll have plenty of stuff here. The recruiting gets underway, I think, on Wednesday. The coaches will be out on the road. They're going to be spending a lot of time at different high schools doing 2020 stuff as well, so keep an eye on that. Nebraska has a junior day a little less than a month away. We're hoping to have a good list and uh, a good understanding of who's going to be here and might be seeing some 2020 commits as well Ooh. with some 2019 ones too. Ooh. So we'll have all of that plus hoops plus whatever else happens along the way.